So welcome to this uh, LPG <coughs> session. Uh, we have uh, companies operating within the same segment, but with uh, different parts of, I'd say, the, the market. So the goal for this session is to get uh, uh, to get more on, to understand the outlook for each uh, one of them, uh, and uh, and we could start with uh, with you, uh, John. No, uh, Ted. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, if uh, if uh, if you look at VLGC rates, they've they've recovered from their uh, lows. Uh, they're above OPEX, but well below uh, cash break even. If we wind back a few years, uh, the concern at the time was if there will be sufficient demand in Asia to absorb all the LPG out of the US. Uh, but I think during 2017, the concern have shifted more to the US. Uh, low propane production and lower inventories, and uh, how, how should they think about that uh, entering 2018? Um, I, I guess, uh, you know, it, the, L, the, the VLGC cycle is probably a case of uh, it turning out the way some people thought, but not for the reasons they, uh, they necessarily forecast, and you're exactly right. Uh, historically, supply out of the U.S. has not been a constraining factor, and uh, a combination of certainly recently Harvey, but um, the, the low oil price in general uh, has generally crimped uh, some of the operating margins, and uh, we've also seen a modest increase in domestic propane consumption. However, it's still in decline. So I think as we look as we look out towards next year, um, you know, we continue to see great pull through demand. And we're already seeing where the U.S. isn't competitive in price or if they're not able to deliver the volumes, we're already seeing the Middle East step in. So um, for most of the last three years, four years, there's been a premium uh, in the West for having prom ships in the U.S. Gulf. And uh, right now we're starting to see a lot of the demand shift to uh, the Middle East. So I think, you know, we, we, we're lucky and we've always maintained that the emergence of the United States as a uh, as a shale exporting nation or as a gas exporting nation uh, has been great for our business because now we have two hubs of activity: the Middle East and the U.S. Gulf. And I think you'll see our industry take advantage of that. And again, I think that sets us up well for 2018. If, if I think IEA forecasts close to four million tons of U.S. Uh, propane exports for 2017, uh, but only one million tons for for 2018. And I think. Uh, a lot of the 2017 uh, exports is also driven by uh, lower draw on inventories. Uh, how, how reliant do you think the LPG market is to balance uh, in 2018 uh, of inventory draws? A little early in the morning for that question, but okay. <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, from our perspective, um, I sort of have truth in advertising. I'm not John LaCouris. He'd probably have a far better answer to this question than I. No, I think um, I think the market will um, it, look. The, the U.S. market, the North American market, is incredibly resilient. Um, so you know how we rebalance. I'm not really sure, but do I believe we will rebalance? Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, uh, drilling costs continue to decline. There continues to be. Uh, it's, it's still a global market, so if we don't meet the demand out of North America, we'll meet it somewhere else. Um, you know, uh, we're seeing good volumes continue to come out of um, Calgary and Alberta from the tar sands, so um, I'm not quite sure where it'll come from, but I'm fairly confident it'll balance itself out. Okay. 
We can switch to you, to you, David, and navigate the gas. In, in July this year, you signed the letter of intent to develop an ethylene uh, marine export terminal in, in Houston with Enterprise. Uh, and from what I understand, there are currently no efficient export facilities of uh, ethylene out of the US today. Uh, and there seems to be large, large growth potential going forward. So it'd be good to share some of your thoughts on this, uh, uh, on this going forward for your company. Sure. Um, well, I never wanted to be in shipping, okay? So, <laughs> uh, and maybe I can, you know, teach you all how to avoid it. But um, uh, the business model that we chose is to try to avoid what is so endemic in shipping, and that is the cycles. Uh, the business model that uh, we've worked on worked on by developing a strategy, developing the equipment, developing the technological expertise within the company, is to look forward. Where is the world moving, uh, particularly in the world of hydrocarbons? Where is it moving, and how do we get there ahead of other people? And the uh, model that we chose, the avenue that we thought was most attractive, was the petrochemical business. Uh, why? Because all the technology that we have developed in the United States to find and to develop and put on stream new hydrocarbons at incredible prices, cheaper than we've ever seen before, and that's happening. It's happening, as we know, in the United States. It's happening all around the world. Uh, it's happening in the Middle East. And the subsequent uh, activity of the discovery of those cheap hydrocarbons is to develop those hydrocarbons into advanced products, petrochemical gases particularly, uh, because they can be moved and they can be moved in, in the LNG, LPG type of vessel. So we thought petrochemicals is where we want to be. Uh, we worked with a number of companies uh, with their ideas and how they saw they could develop this massive uh, uh, new technology. And what we observed is that um, the United States, for example, was spending 25 to $30 billion over the last five years developing an expansion of new petrochemical plants. But that's great, um, but there was no outlet for that massive amount of excess capacity if there were going to be a, an excess capacity. Uh, we have a very good relationship with Enterprise Product Partners, uh, an integrated company, midstream company that is connected to every ethylene plant in the United States. They have pipelines connecting it, they have storage, but they had no export facilities. Uh, they, Enterprise, are very parochial. They have basically built their company around the United States very successfully. We have a strong international capability and interest. And over the past year, working with them, uh, recognizing that there is a great need uh, for exports, and yet there is no uh, facilities really capable of moving it, uh, we try to combine their expertise in the U.S., and our expertise in the international and create a, a million ton a year export facility that's integral to our very advanced vessels that are uniquely capable of carrying petrochemical gases and particularly the more advanced ones, the ethane, the ethylene, the propylenes. 
And so that's our mo um, model, is to build out the capability to do that. And the first step is to have the equipment the, uh, on our own, the ships. We have the largest fleet of ethylene-capable vessels in the world. We have the uh, best technical people working on those vessels, both on board and in our offices. And now, uh, stepping back with a joint venture with Enterprise, I think we have a perfect chain. So that's our model, to try to eliminate the cycles in the business for Navigator. Work on the structural changes, and the biggest structural change we see in hydrocarbons today is the development of the petrochemical industry, both in the United States and the Mideast, and we want a piece of that. There are like uh, other other segments uh, within the molecules that have um, you know built out export capacity in the U.S. We've seen it on the on the LPG side, and we've seen it on um, uh, LNG side. Uh, how how early phase do you do you see uh, that the ethylene uh, market is today? Is that for me? Yeah. I'm not quite sure I understood the question, but uh, could you? Well, yeah, there are other. If if you've um, if we looked at the LPG market, yeah. there was uh, a large <coughs> product arbitrage uh, on the LPGs, uh, or on propane. If you look U.S. relative to the rest of the world, that led to a lot of build out of export facilities uh, yeah. and lots of ordering the, 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 of ships. Look, this is not a big business. It's a tiny business. The export of petrochemical gases. One million tons. Let's talk, that, you know, let's compare that with propane that we export out of the United States. 28 million tons a year against one. So, um, in ethylene, for example, the bulk of it, the manufacturer of ethylene is consumed in the United States locally. So it's only a small portion. So I don't believe there will be a significant build out of petrochemical uh, gas export facilities. Enough to provide safety valves, enough to provide um, markets, international markets for propylene and butadiene and ethylene, um, but not anything close to what you would have seen and have seen in the development of export for propane. Okay. So Charles, uh, we've seen uh, we've seen the VLGC fleet uh, expanding over the years, and uh, that's now also benefiting your vessels in terms of uh, increase in transshipments. So and rates are also picking up for the smaller sizes. So 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 how how to look forward uh, for the smaller LPG assets? Thank you. Yes, uh, the smaller pressurized vessels have been running maybe about 18 months ahead of the larger vessel uh, fleet in supply and demand cycle. So we've seen uh, the order books substantially drop off in the last 18 months already. The, uh, the, the forward supply is only eight vessels coming in, which is possibly why uh, the 5,000 cubic meter vessel made it onto the chart there for James's presentation. But um, we're also uh, seeing a big pickup in, in demand, and uh, that's the good news, if you like. Uh, we do the last mile, the regional mile of delivery for LPG, and about a third to a half of global LPG seaborne trade is going into the smaller ports around the world for heating and cooking and power supply. And that's where our vessels get involved. And obviously the big VLGCs cannot fit into a lot of those ports. 
<coughs> so uh, they rely on transshipment operations from the smaller pressurized vessels. We've gone from doing almost none two years ago to doing about 130, 140 operations every quarter. Uh, so we're looking at 500 operations this year on an annualized basis. So it's a big pickup in the business and it's enabling the delivery of low cost, often uh, North American uh, LPG, but also as uh, we touched on earlier, Middle Eastern uh, LPG into developing economies. So it's going a lot better, I would say, right now for the smaller vessels. Ted seems like you've taken some notes. Would you like to share something first? Uh, or, or, or? No, I'm learning a lot from my colleagues. I, <laughs> okay. If I can be quiet for the rest yeah. of the panel, I'd be thrilled. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, a topic that, uh, if, you, if you look at, uh, at least when we try to model the, the LPG market going forward, uh, uh, we have to look at how much increase should we expect out of the US, uh, but also looking at the Middle East, uh, Middle East on my numbers were uh, in, in million tons were larger in 16 than the US, but from a ton mile perspective, US were quite much uh, larger. Um, how should, uh, should we think about Middle East exports uh, going forward with uh, OPEC cutting production on one hand, but you also have uh, increase in refinery capacity uh, on another hand? Anybody else want to take that? <laughs> um, no, I'd say, uh, first of all, one uh, small point of clarification. The U.S. Uh, is the single largest exporting nation. The Middle East is a block is larger, but no single nation in the Middle East exports more. So um, we do have to bear that in mind as we uh, analyze those figures. But I think as you, um, as you point out, you look forward um, to next year, um, you know, the, the OPEC cuts have certainly um, had an impact. On the other hand, because it's a global market and because the U.S. isn't part of OPEC, you know, we really haven't seen the spring in oil prices that I, I think a lot of us expected. Um, you know, we're still bumping around where we were, uh, you know, three, six months ago, well, three months ago anyway. But, um, you know, I th so I think from from that perspective, um, and given, you know, continued expected increases in demand uh, domestically from particularly Saudi Arabia as they continue to build out their own domestic petrochemical facilities, I really do expect the U.S. to make up the slack, and I think we're going to see it out of areas that, uh, you know, have heretofore been less prevalent. We're going to see, um, because the infrastructure is now in place, for, uh, for Marcus Hook to uh, take cargoes from, uh, or product from Marcellus and Utica, um, you know, we continue to see Ferndale on the West Coast uh, drawing cargoes from, from uh, Canada. And, uh, you know, yes, I expect some discontinued general uplift in the traditional uh, shale basins in, in Texas and the Southwest. But um, I, I, again, I think we've got, I think we'll expect, I expect to see more of that uh, made up by the, by the U.S. And I'm uh, hard to say, but I'd say overall, um, I'm not as, uh, I'm not expecting as much growth from the Middle East. <coughs> if you look at uh, if you look at uh, U.S. volumes, I think 50% goes to to Asia. But if you look at the incremental exports out of the U.S., 85% goes to Asia. Uh, and looking at the Middle East, uh, about 90% goes to Asia. How how deep is uh, how deep is Asian demand? Is uh, um, look, I think for our our collective industry, well, maybe um, David does some LPG as well as petchem gases, but I'll, I'll speak for, for, for Charles and, uh, and, and my sector as well. 
uh, and Charles being out in the region is probably better positioned to comment on it, but the most exciting part of our business is in Asia, and it is what I would consider the most stable part of the business that we see growing. Over 50% of global LPG consumption is for domestic heating and cooking, and we continue to see significant growth in that particular segment. Yes, we, we uh, pet chems is always gonna be part of our business, 20, 25%. Uh, it's the most price sensitive, but we continue to see um, the most basic demand drivers in place in Asia, and specifically those are, historically, you know, LPG consumption has grown with, with GDP and household formation. It tends to shrink with penetration of natural gas. Um, so, you know, emerging economies, uh, China, India, uh, Indonesia, Vietnam, Bangladesh, uh, you know, all those countries set up perfectly for that because you have high rates of household formation, uh, you have continued uh, GDP growth, and in most of those cases, um, the ability of LNG to make a significant inroads given the high cost of that last mile infrastructure as well as the shore side infrastructure um, really sets up LPG well. So I think we, you know, we see no change uh, in, that, in that dynamic going forward. And in fact, it's probably only strengthening because, um, look, LPG is a, a really clean gas except for LNG. Nothing burns cleaner. Uh, it's cheap. It's easy to move. And uh, that sets up the industry quite well uh, in Asia. I think India had its uh, highest ever import figure uh, last month. Uh, would you be, and Chinese demand has, or India is more of a retail demand, uh, but China has been also very reliant upon PDH plants coming online. Would you be more constructive on the retail part uh, of LNG demand or LPG demand going forward, or, or do we also need to uh, call it uh, the pet game industry working? Well, um, I, I think to, uh, look, utilization in our industry, notwithstanding what you said, uh, your comments about rates, which are of course accurate, um, we have this conundrum that uh, global fleet utilization in our sectors between 85 and 90%, which I think most participants in the room would agree is a pretty healthy level. So, um, and as we all know in the shipping markets, it's really that incremental cargo that starts to drive the market. So. Um, you know, we're grateful and thrilled about the, the steady uh, retail commercial demand. Um, you know, and I think that will continue to grow at a nice rate. However, to really kick our rates up, we would like to see some, some, uh, some support from the, from the petrochemical sector for sure. I think that, you know, the sooner that the arbitrage uh, is open and that LPG is the feedstock of choice versus naphtha for the, LP, uh, for the pet chem industry, uh, the sooner you'll see rates in our industry get back to much healthier levels. And, uh, and uh, David, a question for you. Uh, uh, if you look towards uh, uh, LPG shipping, you need to cool down the gas to around minus 50 degrees. Uh, well, if you look at ethylene, to the best of my knowledge, it's uh, closer to the cooling levels of, uh, of LNG down to minus 150, 50 or 155 degrees. Uh, uh, how, how should we think about uh, the development of a, of a market uh, on the rate side? Do you look to do more on the term business or will there be a spot market evolving uh, on the U.S. exports? Mm -hmm. um, it's a, ethane and ethylene uh, uh, carried at minus 103, just to make it uh, clear, as opposed to minus 42 for propane, to give you an idea. So there, and more advanced, more technically challenging uh, equipment. Um, in the case of ethylene, that's 
going to be a relatively short-term uh, business, short-term in terms of uh, charters. Uh, five to 10 years is about what that market will be. It will be a market that has a lot of spot business related to it because many ethylene plants around the world have shortages for different reasons and need uh, short-term imp imports to cover those shortages. Uh, so historically, it's been a, a spot business. Ethane, on the other hand, uh, another uh, um, hydrocarbon that needs to be carried in gaseous form, in, in liquid form at minus 103, uh, that is a longer term, more akin to LNG, long-term contracts. It's, it's a raw material for the making of ethylene around the world. And, and by the way, I think you'll see uh, more business for the export of U.S. ethane, particularly from the Marcus Hook, Utica Basins, once the Mariner East complex is completed in the end of this year or sometime next year. Um, but that business will uh, definitely have elements of LNG, but again, I would suspect that as LNG morphed into a shorter-term trading business, uh, ethane will also morph into somewhat of a trading business, but with strong elements of long-term charters. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it, the business around, it, that's going to happen out of the Mideast as well as out of the United States. But ethane, unlike ethylene, which will have limited amounts of export volumes, ethane, um, we have some now coming out, but real sizable incremental volumes coming from uh, the Permian, coming from the Marcellus, from the Utica, it has to go somewhere, and uh, they, are, they require specialized vessels, and the, and the material will go to China, it will go to uh, India, it will go to Southeast Asia, and those are long hauls, and some of it will also go to Europe, which is short of ethane. Thank you. Uh, Charles, if we look at the U.S. Gulf exports, they fell in the second quarter, and the... Uh, and, uh, is it due to the product arbitrage? Uh, many would think that that would affect, uh, to, to a large extent, the larger ships, but that is the product arbitrage also key for the smaller ships, or is it more the emerging markets? The uh, smaller ships are generally involved in slightly different trades. So we're, we're moving product um, to about 400 different ports every year. It's a much more diversified uh, trade route than following the big, the big long-haul routes on the, on the arbitrage trades. But uh, so we've actually seen a 60% increase in uh, US shipments um, in the size of ships we're doing um, in the last 12 months. But that's around the Caribbean, intra-Caribbean, uh, into uh, the developing economies in South America, Central America, and so on. The uh, longer haul routes, uh, we've seen a drop off. So into, say, West Africa and so on, where the arbitrage uh, pricing on the commodity may apply. Uh, but uh, as I say, for us, uh, the key for us is, is the, uh, the fact that we're doing so many port calls. We have so many more options over where we can go, 2,400 port calls a year on the entire business. And uh, if we see a drop-off of exports in one area, we can easily move our tonnage to another area and follow the arbitrage or the commodity demand. Because whilst the, uh, the demand has dropped off to export from the USA, the customer is still buying it from somewhere. And the underlying demand growth 
is still robust and strong, even though there's a, a temporary halt on the uh, on the pricing of the on the exports for the arbitrage. Uh, so we've seen uh, strong growth also um, for LPG in, say, uh, southern Africa, with new terminals coming online in the last few months in West Africa, in uh, India, in Bangladesh, in Pakistan, in Southeast Asia. It doesn't really matter which economy you go to, the supply of low-cost commodity is driving demand growth down the line. Uh, and and uh, to you, Ted, uh, how, how important is the, is the product arbitrage for the VLGC market, in your view? How do you need it, um, uh, and, and what will potentially drive that, in your view? Um, it is certainly uh, a part of the trade. Um, Again, it, it, it sort of varies a little bit. Um, what we have seen in a number of the markets, particularly Japan, the ARB can be, you know, sort of uh, closed on the face of it, but uh, the Japanese importers, because it is controlled by a couple guys, are able to push price increases up, up the chain. Uh, and that's not always the case in other parts of the world. Um, so having that ARB open uh, between East and West LPG cargos, uh, you know, it, or sorry, you know, uh, just on pure LPG prices with freight taken account of is important. <coughs> um, the one that really, that we focus on probably just as much is the LPG naphtha arbitrage. Um, you know, we like to see that um, as uh, about $50 a metric ton because they have very similar calorific value. When there's a $50 metric ton uh, difference and, you know, uh, the purchasing guys and pet chems see that as sustained, that's when we start seeing people switching over, and that's when we start driving those incremental cargos, as I touched on before, to, uh, which, which drives rates. So, you know, uh, I'd sure like to have both of those open um, at any given time. You know, just to interrupt, it, it takes more than just an arbitrage to move this stuff, whether it be LPG, petrochemicals, or what have you. Um, you need the infrastructure to do it, and the whole issue of why we're involved in a terminal uh, can be illustrated in just one example. In the case of ethylene, the buyers of ethylene, there is a small inefficient terminal in Targar in the Houston ship channel. It's, uh, I, 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 it's hard to call it an export terminal. It takes two weeks to load uh, one of our smaller vessels. Two weeks, it should be one day. But the arbitrage there, the money the traders are making in buying U.S. ethylene and shipping it in a small vessel and selling that ethylene into the Far East, that arbitrage spread is as much or close to the amount that the U.S. producer is selling it for. Think about that. He's getting as much in profit for trading as the producer is selling it for. And the producer, to build an ethylene plant, you're talking eight to $10 billion, and the trader has no cost. Now that's an arbitrage, um, but it doesn't work unless you have the infrastructure. Hence my interest and, uh, and enterprises interest in building the, you know, the kind of infrastructure necessary to move this type of product out of the United States into the international markets. 
<coughs> Ted, it, it seems like the, it seems like um, David's uh, proposition here is the wind back of the VLGC market four years uh, down the road. Uh, is that you're going to stick to the LPGs, I guess? Anything, anything that makes money. <laughs> anything that makes money. Well, well, well put. Uh, I don't know. You know. Uh, I don't know. I guess. I guess David has a, a much better sector, so I think you should all invest in mid-size LPG carriers and stay out of VLGCs. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> but yeah. if you look at, look, if you look it's at, a, it's a. I, I emphasized before, the petrochemical gas market is significantly smaller. It's a niche market in the overall LPG market. We have to be in both. I mean, we have to have the equipment and the team and the, all the infrastructure to be a player and, and therefore in the LPG sector. But we're emphasizing petrochemical gases. It's a technically challenging business, but it's a much smaller. It's not, there's not room for a lot of players. Do you hear me? There's not a room for a lot of players. Um, and, um, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a great market uh, for us. It will be a, a developing market. It will be a trader's market. And uh, uh, it's an international for sure market. I, I just, you know, uh, add, because I think for all three of our businesses, um, we all enjoy the same fundamentals driving it. You know, uh, uh, you know David's uh, absolutely right about what the growth of, you know, the entire U.S. NGL production and export infrastructure is meant for all of our businesses as it relates a little bit more to Charles's business and our business. Um, you know, all the wonderful properties of LPG that, you know, have encouraged uh, and changed, frankly, the lives of so many people. I, you know, I don't mean to sound like Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook, but, you know, frankly, we've, we, we, we have seen uh, air quality improve, we've seen health improve, and we've seen uh, people's general quality of life improve in a lot of emerging markets because LPG is cheap. Uh, it's easy to transport, and you know, as Charles rightly points out, uh, it can reach a lot of places that are otherwise unreachable by uh, our larger uh, hydrocarbon brethren. You, you talked, uh, Charles, about uh, a low uh, order book, uh, and now you see rates improving. Is there a fear that you will see a pickup in ordering? I think we're suggesting they do the mid-size instead of the pressurized. <laughs> The, uh, the thesis for the day. Um, the, yes, the, there is uh, the potential for people to go to look to order as the rates pick up, and we are at a point where rates are reaching that kind of level. But uh, you've got to find a shipyard to build them in, and from a pressurized LPG point of view, whilst there is plenty of capacity for shipyards, there's not that many shipyards that can turn out ships that quickly. So we uh, aren't expecting a huge, uh, huge incremental add-on of extra ships. Plus, if we look at all the participants in, in the sector, uh, it's, it's a very small sector in the scheme of things, as, as David said. Uh, overall, we're, we're not uh, the world's most interesting sector, perhaps. But, uh, and Ted, one, uh, one, one final for but you. Coming back to, coming back, coming back to, uh, to Ted, it's an exciting time underlying for the industry in that we are seen as a, a sector with LPG supplying many, many millions of people with a healthy alternative to, say, burning biomass in countries in Africa and India. It's a very positive outcome there, and it's got government and political support to increase demand for LPG, and that's partly driven, of course, by the increased supply coming online of LPG from North America and from the Middle East. So it's, it's working very much in a partnership, and it's growing well. Okay. I think we have to cut off.
Thank you so much. Thank you.